I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. I think, I don't know, I think a lot of us are actually using open finance already without necessarily realizing it. RJ, I'm sure you've used Shopee and Lazada or you've also used Gcash and Paymaya at one form or another. <laughs> if you fund those wallets, for example, the funds are coming from a bank account, right? That in itself, the links to the e-wallets, to the e-commerce is an example of open finance already. Got that. So just to make things easier for people, it's being able to improve the flow of money easier. And open finance allows for the easiest flow of money across different platforms. Seamlessly. Yes. Seamlessly. Yes, that's exactly it. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you're watching from here in the Philippines and from all over the world. And welcome to my podcast. The RJ Ledesma Podcast. I like to interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business. What are their success secrets? And can we replicate those success secrets? How have they innovated their businesses during this pandemic? But more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in this new new normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast, please do let me know. I would love to learn from them. Just drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Penas TV, the Bounce Back Network, and on YouTube. Today, very special evening for us because we will be celebrating this week the Digital Filipinas Festival. Now, along with this one, it's also going to be the Digital Filipinas Festival with the Philippine Fintech Festival and the World Fintech Festival Filipinas which will highlight the ASEAN narrative of the growth of the digital economy, which includes so many different things if you are somebody interested in the digital economy. That includes uh, tech for government, mobility logistics, smart cities, energy, Web3. We've got things like RegTech, InsureTech, HealthTech, EduTech, HR Tech, all the different tech that you can imagine. You will learn more about here during tonight's podcast. During our Philippine FinTech Festival, we will have more than 200 leaders and stakeholders in the tech space from across the world and expected to be part of all these events. Among these will be startups, VCs, investors, innovators, industry leaders, technologists, and government regulators to help us define the future of ASEAN digital transformation. Our Digital Filipinas Festival will be kicking off this week. Uh, we will be starting off from October 17 to 21, starting from the Philippines and moving all to Cambodia, Thailand, Singapore, then finally Indonesia where they will be celebrating ASEAN FinTech Day on November 11th in Bali. And here, the two people pioneering Digital Filipinas Festival. I'd like to welcome some very, very good friends of mine. First of all, I have our convener of Digital Filipinas and the convener of the Philippine FinTech Festival. We have Ms. Amor Maklang. Kumusta kamare? Join me here on stage. 
Mabuhay, RJ. So happy to be here. You are a family, not just in our advocacy, but in terms of putting the Philippines in the map. We're also excited as Filipinos. Thanks so much. And joining here, Amor, as well, we've got Ms. Erica Dizongo, who is a senior vice president of the FinTech Business Group and also Open Finance and Digital Services Center of Excellence Health for Union Bank of the Philippines. Erica, welcome to the podcast. Hi, RJ. Hi, Amor. Uh, thanks for having us here. And we're super excited to launch the Philippine FinTech Festival this coming week. Fantastic. So just a couple of things before we start with our very substantive discussion here this evening. Let's invite some more people if they still want to attend online the Digital Filipinas Festival. How do they go about that, Amor? Okay. So this is bold and audacious. It's an in-person event. But don't worry because they can actually just log on, come and visit us. But more importantly, these classes, you can actually sign up for it asynchronously towards the end of the year where you'll get to earn credits too. But for now, we're encouraging everyone to actually come down and join us and join the biggest fintech party in the Philippines and also in ASEAN. How do they attend Saturday, October 19 or more? Where can they go? Where's the venue? Well, we have foreign delegates that actually flew in yesterday. We're welcoming them in today. The registration is open. We're actually hosting dinner tonight for the foreign delegates who came in. We've been really overwhelmed with the kind of support. Although it's called the Philippine FinTech Festival, there's been a lot of interest in the Philippines in relation to ASEAN. And we have delegates not just across ASEAN, but also coming as far as Central Europe via Hungary. We have a delegation from Hungary. We have a delegation coming from Israel. We have a country day in focus for Israel. We also have people from Central Asia and even those areas that are right now experiencing political headwinds, let me just leave it at that, are all coming down. I was really overwhelmed with the kind of support. Um, So Erica, I think we just started FinTech Tourism. Let's do it every year. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. No, having said this, I mean, I wanted to go uh, into the meat of the discussion and but what I find very interesting about what you're saying to me here right now more is that there are a lot of countries that are visiting here. What exactly are they seeing here in the Philippines? As well? Why are we uh, a bright spot, a place that they're looking for with regards to the potential of fintech? What is it about the Philippine economy, digital landscape that makes us a bit unique, that people want to look at us and see what we're doing? So you're absolutely right. And I tease constantly one of our speakers and friends from Ant Financial. And I tell them, Ant, you're not really the biggest fintech in the world. It is ASEAN. So together as a region between Indonesia, Philippines, and Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, we're probably the primest region to receive all of these new investments, new innovations in nascent technologies. Fintech is one of them. It's all about the movement of money, right? But it's not just about payments and it's not just about banking. But it's also about how fintech is fueling various industries. So with the inclusion of fintech in um, the real estate space, you have PropTech. And last year, we launched, I'm one of the co-founders of the PropTech Consortium of the Philippines, together with the biggest market players in both banking technology and real estate. You plot in insurance and fintech, you give birth to InsurTech. So blockchain 
the decentralized technologies, they also have a play in this bigger space, but they are carving out their niches individually. So it's all about, you know, I don't want to go Jerry Maguire on you because I think we're all too young to remember Jerry Maguire, but it's about show me the money, but show me the money sustainably, (laughs) right? I know, Erica, you were still a kid when that movie came out. It's about show me the money. It's about making sure we show the money safely and also securely and sustainably. We even have, imagine, a hackathon on sustainable finance. RJ, how do we make sure that, say, protecting the environment now makes sense and make money for people with the tokenization, for example, of carbon credit and so on and so forth? Sorry, RJ. I'm super excited. I'm geeking out. That's really great. And I wanted to ask, actually, I wanted to go to Erica now for Union Bank because we talked about the movement of money and why they're looking at the Philippines. One would think that, you know, as a developing country, we wouldn't be the place people to look yeah. for to develop all these other technologies which give birth from fintech like insurtech or real estate prop tech. What particularly makes our landscape a bit different when it comes to looking at us and saying, hey, this is a great place to actually develop a great fintech technology in the Philippines? Well, actually, like, show me the money is one piece of statement, right? But coming from our perspective, there's actually two main reasons why the Philippines remains to be a bright spot, especially for all of these innovations, right? Number one being um, the demographic of our population. So if you see the population of the Philippines as a whole, you'll see that we're the highest internet users, right? And a lot of them actually spend 10 hours on the internet. Aside from the demographic of the Philippines, which seems to be a bright use for digital, second is we see that, okay, let's just face it, guys. There's still a lot of problems to be solved, particularly in the Philippines. And so because there are so many things that still needs to be solved in this country specifically, I think that's one of the reasons why it's becoming into that space. So it's a demographic as well as, I guess, the problems that arise and that still need to be solved. I want to, you know, let people marinate with that idea for just a bit. RJ, can I add just one thing to that? In the case of blockchain and digital assets, for example, and I want to just channel one of our co-conveners way of coins.ph. You know how the Philippines, we are a creating hub, right? Telenovelas, et cetera. I was recently in Ghana and they still know us for Mara Clara, hand to heart, right? And essentially in the case, say, of uh, digital assets, we are both a consumer and also a creator. So a consumer, we're one of the top three users of coins in the world. Uh, But also at the same time, we're the top when it comes to creating new content, new assets. Never has there been in the history of the world when we can create our own assets, right? So it used to be salt before, then became tulips and money and gold. But now the Philippines has a special role in all of this, RJ, because we can create content. We can create videos and music and artwork that are actually valued in a digital economy. I like very much what you were saying, but we've become a creator because essentially we have to, I guess, many Filipinos have to reorient themselves by saying that, you know, there's a lot of problems. I should leave this country to becoming, there's a lot of problems. These are great problems to solve because I can make money. <laughs> Sorry, can I add to that? Yeah, the, this thing about leaving the country. What we're seeing now actually is a reverse diaspora. So Mm -hmm. the best and the brightest in the world, whether or not they are of Filipino heritage, are choosing to domicile themselves in ASEAN and in the Philippines and saying this is the place to be. This is like the new gold rush 
but with lesser risks because the, the <laughs> runways have been created. No, seriously, that's changed. It's really so changed. And having said that, I want to take ourselves back a bit, no? Because you're looking at two different personalities. You've got Amoris the convener over here, and you've got Union Bank through Erica over here right now. And you must be wondering, what exactly do these two different personalities have to do in creating this Digital Philippine Fintech Festival? So I want to take us back a bit more so people understand, understand a bit more the pain points, particularly why Digital Philippines was created and why Union Bank in particular is part of the picture. Because from what I appreciate about Union Bank is that they even at the forefront of doing things, saying, you know, let's just do it and then figure out along the way, such as what you're doing for UBX as a sandbox for new uh, technologies when it comes to banking and related fintech technologies. So Erica, tell us a bit more. Why is Union Bank so interested in pushing the forefront over here? Okay, maybe just to answer your first question, why was Digital Philippines made in the first place? I think it's because um, in our minds, it's a whole ecosystem, right? You need various stakeholders to push forward a Digital Philippines. And coming from a banking background, it's not just about the banks anymore. I think the changing landscape has shown us that the banks are no longer at the center. There's various moving parts now. And for that to push forward, we need someone like Digital Filipinas to push education, for example, or digital adoption. And so Digital Filipinas is not just about banks. It's not just about fintechs. It's about regulators even. It's about the consumers themselves who get together and put their minds together, right? And think about the problems and the various ways to solve it. Now, in terms of Union Bank per se, why have we always been in the forefront? Five, six years ago, we had a study made and then we realized, right, how do we future-proof ourselves? Like, what's next for the financial industry? What's next for the banking industry? And then we saw, right, if we did not digitize ourselves, we will eventually perish and no longer become relevant in this coming day and age. And we Mm -hmm. see that slowly happening, right? We have more e-wallet accounts now than actual bank account users in this country. So just by that fact alone, if we didn't do something to hedge ourselves, then eventually, five, ten years from now, the banks may no longer be there. And so when we decided from that study moving forward, we needed to set aside or put the action in motion. And so we set up our own fintech arm, which is CVX. That's true. And very recently, we've launched Union Digital, our own digital bank. And so all of these three parts were all under Union Bank still, but we have different values that we bring to the table, but still hand-in-hand with working together in a full ecosystem that's also part of Digital Filipinas. It's all coming together, RJ, at the end of the day, right? What we're here for really is to serve our customers and to push forward a digital or a tech-up Filipinas, right? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. I'd like to give a more personal 
touch to this, it actually started much earlier. So I remember I've been asked at that time by Union Bank, one of our longstanding partners, to come up with a program that could combine both the financial services and also at the same time technology. Mm-hmm. And that's when, together with, so special shout out to RV Devera and also to Dr. Tito Ortiz, who is the Hi, father. Hi, RV. Hi, people. Hi, <laughs> RV. So basically, Dr. Tito Ortiz, I would say definitively, is the father of fintech in the country. If it were not for his efforts in trying to put the Philippines in the map, taking the chance with fintechs, experimenting, pushing for regulation, bringing together a more cross-border narrative, we would not be where we are today. So at that time, we came up with a program called Eureka. I think, Arcia, you were there. I remember Eureka. I remember. I hope with Eureka. Exactly, right? When are you not in my life? Never, right? So (laughs) essentially, at that time, the intent was to digitalize SMEs a thousand at a time, a region at a time. I remember that. From there, it moved on to this new phenomenon called fintech, right? And at that time, we didn't know what it was. And we fintech was together with blockchain and so on and so forth. And I remember RV brought me to what is still now the biggest digital economies festival in the world, which is the Singapore FinTech Festival. And he gave me my dream, which was I only asked him for one thing, which is let's put the Philippines in the map, right? So we had a really tiny baby Philippine pavilion, which is now going to, by the way, in SFF, the heart of the country pavilion in the middle is the Philippine pavilion. So yay, please join. From there, he's actually allowed us to connect with other markets. Singapore has really provided a lot of framework for our execution, working closely with the regulators in the Philippines. And it's not just about financial institutions. It's about the Department of Trade and Industry digitalizing Mm -hmm. SMEs. Or in the case of our partner, the Department of Science and Technology, creating localized innovation at the university level. So that's actually one of my interfaces with Mapua University, which is a coming together of the Ayala and the Yuchenko Educational Consortium. So our webinars and our courses will be certified by universities in a wallet. And then after that, well, Singapore is always going to be a very important component of the ASEAN fintech economy. But I'm happy to also launch this week our partnership with the Indonesian fintech ecosystem, one of the largest. We have an Indonesian day. And aside from leading a contingent, a business contingent to the Singapore Fintech Festival, we're also leading a country contingent to the Indonesian Fintech Summit happening in Bali. I promise you, I'm working in Bali, okay? So if you ever see me in Bali, it's really all work. Where, (laughs) as we said, we're going to reclaim back 11.11. It's going to be a CN Fintech month. So 11.11 kicks off as a CN Fintech month all the way to 12.11. And essentially, we're promoting everything ASEAN and digital economies. Wow. So the way that we're seeing it here right now is the development of the Philippine fintech system cannot be seen in a vacuum. It's in an overall ecosystem together with Indonesia and Singapore and all the ASEAN countries. So why is it important to develop it within that space where we're working all together? Is it because we're able to share best practices? You know, if my perspective was a bit more narrow-minded, I would say, why talk to them? Because all of a sudden, I'm competing with 
similar fintechs in those regions and you know, I won't be able to develop mine. Why is it important for us to develop a more regional perspective and looking at the development of fintech here in the Philippines? No such thing as competition anymore in this economy. It's all about working closely together. Interoperability is the name of the game. You know, you have to ask Erica about her work on open finance, which is basically, it's not, you know, the old school way of doing things is if you wanted something done, you build it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's all about partnerships. It's all about an open digital economy. If that's your expertise, Erica, which is to bank, why do I have to set up my own bank? I'd rather bank with the best right. and then bring everything together. It's really all about working closely together. And our dream is to get a Tawi-Tawi coffee grower exporting seamlessly and insecurity with, say, a coffee chain in Vietnam. And the only way you can do it is by working government to government, business to business, working closely together. So that's a Vietnam or Singapore can recognize our payment gateways and payment system, mm -hmm. protect the smallest entrepreneur, which I know, RJ, you care so much about. So it's not about the big players like Erica or coins, right? But really about digitalizing and really helping those in the grassroots. I know it sounds cliche, but if it doesn't redound to them, why bother? Exactly. Yes, Erica, please go ahead. No, yeah, I was going to say, RJ, that like you mentioned, right, we don't operate in a vacuum any longer. And so if we keep ourselves closed and still siloed, then we're not going to get better. And so we see various solutions actually from other countries. And the whole idea is to bring it back home here. And so that when we bring it back home, we're able to solve more of the problems, right, that I was discussing earlier. Amor mentioned, right, it's the beginning of open finance and eventually not just open finance, but moving towards an open economy. You've seen, right, the sharing economy now coming from Grab. It's not even the driver sometimes who owns the cars. It's somebody else. So mm -hmm. um, that's a precursor, I think, of what we'll be seeing in the next five to 10 years. It's not just about putting banking and finance at the center. It encompasses different aspects of our lives now, right? It could be a hospitality like Airbnb. It could be um, anything else. It's important that we increase digital adoption and we do so by partnerships. So it's not correct competition anymore. It's more of co-opetition, right? And even banks like ourselves no longer think that we're going to do everything by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We do understand some are doing it better, faster than us. And so how do we still remain relevant? And how do we ensure right, that at the end of the day, we give the best value to our customers. And it's always about that, putting our customers at the center. I'm trying to imagine the, the listeners of this podcast right now with the knowledge we're giving them. It's quite a lot. And I have in mind that I need to go a bit more into what does open finance mean, particularly for the people hearing it for the first time. It's such an interesting concept. But what is open finance, Erica, if you can sort of explain that? Sure, sure. Thanks for asking that question, RJ. So open finance is secure the baby of open banking. So let's begin with that. Open banking in itself is the sharing of information and data within banks. Coming from a bigger thesis statement, which is open finance, meaning to say it's the sharing now, not just of data, but actually of capabilities within the different players in the financial ecosystem. So before in open banking, it's banks. In the open finance, it's insurance. It's prop tech. It's all of the financial services into one that share capabilities with one another. So obviously, like as a bank, an insurance company would be better suited to offer insurance services. But at the end of the day, it's still about the funds, right? It's still about the movement of money. And so open finance is the sharing of capabilities now 
in that sector. So I think, I don't know, I think a lot of us are actually using open finance already without necessarily realizing it. RJ, I'm sure you've used Shopee and Lazada, or you've also used Gcash and Paymaya at one form or another. Mm -hmm. If you fund those wallets, for example, the funds are coming from a bank account, right? That in itself, the links to the e-wallets, to the e-commerce is an example of open finance already. Got that. So just to make things easier for people, it's being able to improve the flow of money easier. And open finance allows for the easiest flow of money across different platforms. Seamlessly, yes. Seamlessly. Yes, that's exactly it. I know this is a business show, right? There are only three things that I'd advise people to go into, like what businesses. Either you move ideas, right? You move ideas, start a religion. You move people in the case of mobility or you move money because there's friction in all of those, right? Do you know that? Can you imagine you travel a lot, right? Let me make it simple. You travel a lot. If you have to convert your pesos to dollars or say to euros, you lose money in the process because of the conversion. That's money that you own that you're losing because of the transfer. Now with open finance, hopefully if I have to buy an insurance cover or buy a ticket and it has to be cross-border, you're not going to lose as much. Listen, great financial exclusion does not just happen with the poor. Everyone's talking about the bottom of the pyramid, which is very important and still Mm -hmm. relevant. But what about those who actually have access to money but are unable to undertake, say, wealth management, right? Wealth management and wealth tech is only the purview of so small group of people. We want to be able, we're debuting a wealth tech track in the PFF with Call Financial. So that even a security guard or regardless of where you are in life, you can start planning for your estate. It's not just limited to the RJ Ledesmas of this world, that <laughs> wealth management. We want to be able to provide those tools wherever you are at your station in life. Insurance, for example, numbers are worse than banking. One in 10, right? And it's not that people cannot afford because as proven, for example, by our InsurTech lead, Rico Bautista of Erica, when you have the right product and the right channel, he was able to gain 3.5 million plus new insurance covers for the protection of your cell phone. Most of them are insured for the first time. So what made that come about? It's the technology and it's the partnership between a Gcash and an Ethica and an Igloo, right? All working together in the spirit of oneness. So all of them, by the way, are digital Filipinas. <laughs> nice to bring it back over there. Now, the next thing I want to discuss here, I hope you don't mind, but we need to go back a bit more, especially for people, you know, encountering the word fintech for the first time. I mean, it's fantastic. And I get to appreciate what fintech is, but how broad the scope is, but where it comes from, what is actually fintech, right? and why the people keep on talking about the importance of fintech being important for financial inclusion. So Erica, maybe you can give us a better, uh, better purview or better understanding. What exactly do people mean when they say fintech? Fintech stands for financial technology, right? And so the pure definition of fintech really is technology that is used to utilize and offer financial services. So it's quite broad in itself. Before, I guess, we thought fintech 
only as in the purview of payments. But as Amaris mentioned, it has evolved further and have given birth to all of these different types of financial technologies, mainly insurance, prop tech, wealth tech, all of those things, right? And so it's become important, RJ, because before, without digitization, there were only a select few people who had access to it. Now we see that more and more people are able to get into that game because digital is now for everyone, right? I think there are 110 million people in the Philippines. Um, About 90% of them have mobile phones and we are the biggest users of the internet, right? And so we democratize finance because of digitization. And through the democratization, then it becomes a precursor to financial inclusion, right? There's more access. It becomes an omni-channel approach now. And it becomes, as you mentioned earlier yourself, it becomes less intimidating, right? And so when we see those things and we start using finance in our daily lives, you become more comfortable with it. And when you become more comfortable with it, then you'll start looking at other things. Oh, okay, maybe I can do insurance. Oh, maybe I could start investing my money. Oh, maybe I should just put more than just a deposit or just hiding the cash under my bed. So it starts with the behavior. And when the behavior is there, the technology is there to help push it forward. Exactly. RJ, allow me to also talk about the evolving narrative of money because this isn't just about access to cash, right? That's probably our default. So the beginning of time, it used to be salt, right? Then became tulips, tulips, right? Mm. Gold and then cash, right? But what underpins the story of money? It's about use cases, right? The US dollar and the euro are powerful because more countries use them. So you have to look at it as a use case. Now, one of the important summits within the Digital Filipinas Festival, aside from the fintech narrative, is our blockchain and our digital asset summit. Because there's never been a time when we can actually create user creativity to create new assets, right? New assets. You've all heard of the phenomenon at its peak of Axie Infinity and YGG and the role of the Philippines amidst all of this. So this is really a beautiful coming together of blockchain, fintech, and gaming. And we're super good at that. Axie Infinity is not even a Filipino invention. It's a Vietnamese, Vietnamese, Asian. And yet, it was the Filipinos who took it by the horns, made a lot of money, and created a new ecosystem out of it, right? I actually have a team and scholars, and uh, (laughs) Erica probably knows who got me into this, but I won't say who. And essentially, what we have here is we Filipinos, like you, RJ, you can make money not just for yourself, but other people can make money out of the content you create. I mean, you are an example of this new generation of creators. It's not just for your podcast. You can make so much more, even for those within your ecosystem. So we're creating new assets. People now have the ability to create money. Okay, so that's controversial. Create assets. And that, I think, is the difference between Web2 So you've seen all the gated communities, your Facebook, your Google, your data is not owned by you. It's owned by a bigger behemoth, right? It's owned by them. They make money out of your data. This is truly revolutionary in the Web3 space because the apotheosis, the highest point of it all is open data, right? You own your own data. 
you can monetize your data. You can choose to give it to whoever because fundamentally, and I think my being Atenean is coming out, right? The philosophy of it all. Identity is dignity. And let me take it further. Your identity is dignity and it should yield you money. And it should yield you. And right now, the economy is not designed as such. But watch out for the keynote of David Hardoon tomorrow because it's so mind-blowing, right? It's so mind-blowing. The idea that you own your bank records, RJ, or your health data, and you can choose who to give it or sell it to. Mind-blowing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. For people listening here right now, Erica, how can people participate again right now if they want to attend, whether virtually or live, in the upcoming Philippine FinTech Festival? So there is a link you could access, which I think your team, RJ, will put for everyone here. Click on that link if you want to buy uh, tickets and then we'll see you in person or virtually. So there'll be a lot of keynote speakers for thought leadership as well as workshops, right, with the entire ecosystem, especially with our government and regulators. So that would be an exciting thing to attend. Um, And let's see, right, how else we'll move forward and evolve coming from the Philippine FinTech Festival. Um, And if anyone wants to also understand more or use the technologies there um, so that you become more competitive and so you come up with new business models, please do it. Exactly. It's not just about uh, bankers and financial institutions. This is for everyone. The heart of Digital Filipinas is we are going to solve our problems together through technology with your help. So that's decentralization at its finest, right? So it's not just one person determining or a technocrat determining how to solve the problems of the industry. You'll get to meet with thought leaders, market leaders, and incumbents, not just in the Philippines, but across ASEAN. So many of them have flown in early this week, and they're coming in in stages this week because we have a different country focus. Check out digitalfilipinas.ph for instructions. You can do that, but also please come and visit us. It's tomorrow. The home of Digital Filipinas is Green Sun, right? So you guys are familiar with Green Sun. We're looking at transforming it into a soft landing haven for startups locally and overseas. And we're going to have our physical home, all right? And we're so excited to inaugurate it tomorrow. You know, Amor, uh, thanks so much for inviting everybody that's going to be in Green Sun. If you want to get more information, digitalfilipinas.ph, please visit the website. And I think this is the important thing that, that Amor pointed out. And you know what? When you solve a problem, especially as an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean that you have to be a banker to solve a finance problem. It doesn't mean that you've got to be somebody in the financial world. In fact, some of the best problems in the world are solved by people who are just irritated by the problem and solve it. Isn't that right, Erica? For sure. And it's not just for the bankers. It's not just for financial institutions anymore. I think we've seen that. It's an omni-channel approach and it's a different world now. And we have different access points. And I think a big chunk of what we're trying to say now is that 
it's accessibility for everyone. I think that's where we're going towards in the next couple of years. RJ, it's all about a bottoms approach to solving problems. The regional economies in the country are so diverse. So what the problems are in Samar will be different from the problems, for example, in Ilocos Norte. Mm -hmm. Super different, right? They're changing political landscape, economic variables in each regional economy. So what we need to do, and this is what we're pioneering in Digital Filipinas, we have to work from the ground up, work together with, as Tito Ortiz would always teach me, the people on the spot. And that's why we have things like hackathons, right? Or pitch fests. Like it used to be that problem solving is top down. But now with a hackathon and the continuous flow of ideas coming from the ground up, then we have the fuel for a digital Filipinas. New ideas, new technologies that solve daily problems. New problems to solve and new technologies to solve it with. Having said that, Amor, I know that FinTech has given birth to many different things. Actually, it's our digital economy umbrella here right now. So we've got people excited about this coming Digital Filipinas festivals. But can you help us also break down each of the different types of FinTech or digital economy? I think that we'll be discussing sure. the problems that are there and the technologies that are being developed to address them. Well, what are the different techs that are being developed here right now? I find it very interesting. Personally. Verticals, yeah, right? So verticals, more like, right. what are the various verticals being empowered by fintech and other nascent technologies? So on day one, the most important for us is all about tech for government and tech for good. So it's not just about birthing the new unicorn. I know we have close to five unicorns in our ecosystem, but really it's about how do we use technology to solve real problems, whether it be pollution whether it be the idea of transferring aid and support, right? So that's tech for government, tech for good. We also have on that day, everything related to supporting a digital economy from smart cities. The PropTech Consortium will be prominently driving that effort. We also have mobility and logistics. Yay to you, George Reyek of Ancas, striking fear at the heart of all mobility players in ASEAN. But ANCAS is really there to help digitalize things in the economy. We also have one on EnerTech. Can you imagine? Together with... EnerTech? You say Energy Tech? Energy and technology, right? So together with the Philippine Energy Independence Council, which is comprised of the largest energy producers in the country, from Ayala to Shell to Aboitis, essentially, we're looking at how to digitalize the distribution or the value chain of energy. Blockchain is going to play a very important role there. Cooperatives, okay? So when you talk about the Philippines being unbanked, many of the money are actually in the provinces with the cooperatives. And I've been working with them since 2018, and I'm so proud that this year, the first ever digital cooperative with a license from the Cooperative Development Authority is debuting center stage, reg tech, we have a problem. See, I told you, you be careful what you ask for because we can go on forever. The Philippines is in the FATF gray list. In other words, there are a lot of issues related to the conduct of financial transactions in the country. And one of our advocacies in Digital Filipinas is making those payments safe and secure. So we have the largest cybersecurity and reg tech players coming down. Whether what you're protecting is actual cash, like what Erica's doing, or in mm -hmm. the case of digital assets. So all the guardians to make it safe and secure are there coming from Asia Pacific. Wednesday, 
It's all about um, entrepreneurs, right? Digitalizing entrepreneurs together with the Monetary Authority of Singapore and also the Department of Trade and Industry. Last August 12, we signed a partnership agreement. The Philippines is one in four countries alongside India, Ghana and Singapore where we're running an education program. We need to do it for your Mercato agents. It's a financial education program, super, that will help them manage their money better. The last day is open finance and also about startups. You know, so I'm so proud to say Startup Nation, which is Israel, is a very strong partner for us. We're also leading business delegation to Tel Aviv for innovation and technology in time for Christmas and Hanukkah. (laughs) We have Hungary as a safe landing ground to the EU, right? Super progressive. We led a business delegation there. Our Hungarian delegation is here and we're planning something again between an ASEAN and an EU corridor. Indonesia is super supportive of this initiative because our issues as ASEAN countries mirror each other. And I've never seen a closer knit relationship between the OJK, which is the regulator, and also the private sector, which is AFTEC. And they're all going to be here. I'm so grateful. Last but not the least is, of course, the global runways that are being created by Singapore for us and in the rest of the world. So we can soft land into any market now because the airports have been built. And so what we're hoping to do is really put the Philippines in the map, put ASEAN in the map. And that's why October 17, all the way to November 15 of this year, all eyes on ASEAN and the Philippines is opening it. Uh, I'm hoping that your enthusiasm rubbed up on all the people listening right now to the podcast. So again, sign up. I, even, I, I haven't this. even yeah. had coffee yet. Uh, let's wait for that. So uh, again, digitalfilipinas.ph. Again, let's put that on screen for people who want to pick up and join the, the current conference. Now, Amor, I know we've gotten people excited over here. And earlier on, uh, I really appreciate it over here when you talked about the three things where people can really make funny as entrepreneurs, right? There's, there's a movement of ideas, movement of people, or movement of funny. Now, let's, let's step back a bit more. And like Erica was saying, about our job right now is to solve different problems here because problems create opportunities. So for the people listening right now, the podcast, for the entrepreneurs and business people, looking at the general fintech landscape, I know that there's always an opportunity for entrepreneurs to solve the different problems over there. They might think that, you know, I'm too small or it's just not something that's within my wheelhouse. Can you help us give us, what are some opportunities that are present still where fintech entrepreneurs or people who are entrepreneurs in the tech space can still grow their business or solve problems? What are the opportunities you're seeing emerging? Erica? Sure. So particularly in the fintech space, in the Philippine environment, There is a reason that lenders are the biggest segment. And I think that's because the Philippines still lacks the big access to credit, right? And you need credit, you need it for capital. And capital is needed to make your business grow. I think the main reason why a lot of people don't have access to credit is because they're not part of the financial ecosystem and therefore you don't have your own credit score. And I think this is one of the things that data science, AI, and open finance will start to solve. But definitely, it is an opportunity because it gives birth to other things. It's giving birth as well to creating more businesses as a whole. Aside from the lending space, I think that there's still promise in terms of you know looking at the pyramid, right? And checking that there is that market segment that still remains to be untapped. And so while we're, the Philippine government is also looking at SMEs, I think we should also start looking at MSMEs, right? And so there are different fintechs that are looking at 
tapping that particular segment? How do you reach the sari-sari stores? How do you make them grow? How do you give them access to different channels and allow them to sell their goods via an omni-point or omni-strategy way? And so I think those are two different things that we'll start to look at and see. There are various opportunities still. It's a myriad of problems, right? So it's not just these two, I think. I think Amor could also give us more ideas as to what else is there in terms of opportunities. Amor, please. Let me tie it back to something that you, me, and RJ care about. SMEs and startups. Now, I gave a keynote, I think a couple of weeks back to Globe, to their SME group. And basically, there is one thing that you, the three of us need to work on together. There seems to be this diverging of SMEs and also startups. So much interest surrounding startups, interest for investment, technology. It's now cool to be a startup. If you go to Indonesia, no one wants to work for an MNC. Everyone wants to work for a startup for lesser pay. But SMEs are getting left behind. So I was recently in Bali where I was appointed the G100 Chair for Digital Economies and Literacy. And the problem we're confronting is SMEs are getting left behind. So startups are sexy. SMEs are old school. They don't have access to technology. And so when I was asked, what's the difference between a startup and technology, a startup and an SME? Is it the use of technology? It shouldn't be. Because even SMEs, even if it's just access to a wallet or an email account, they need to start using technology. So RJ, it's no longer an excuse that, oh, I'm small, I can't use technology, because all the solutions are scalable, regardless of what your size is. So I think what we all need to work together is let's blur the line between the excitement surrounding startups and SMEs so that They will all be equipped with the uh, technology together. They'll all be equipped with the same kind of funding that startups are receiving. And uh, once you're at parity with each other and we digitalize the SMEs and bring them cross-border, then I think we can retire them, right? Or we're never retiring, right? We're never retiring. We're always going to be working. We're falling off the horse, right? We're falling off the horse. No way. Again, uh, thanks so much. I mean, this really gives us a lot better perspective. Uh, it's really a bright future ahead. I mean, even with what they say is the upcoming worldwide recession, actually, there's still, even during this time, there are opportunities. The idea basically here is that there's actually a lot more to be done, especially there's a lot more opportunities to be had in whatever is happening here right now. And we look forward to seeing it right now in the upcoming Philippine FinTech Festival. Can you please, one more time, let's invite everybody to attend the FinTech Festival, uh, Amor. No, the thing about you said, I, I think you were referring to the, the crypto and the investment winter that's happening globally that everyone's talking about. But I tell you, there is no winter in Southeast Asia. We don't have winter here. So that's what I'm going to leave you with. If you'd like to be a part, not just as a passive observer, but either as a player, a technologist, an investor, a student like myself, I'm forever going to be a student, please join us in the movement to tech up the country through Digital Filipinas and one of our marquee events. It's not the, but one of our marquee events is actually the Digital Filipinas Festival where we have the World FinTech Festival, the Philippine FinTech Festival, a co-op summit, a blockchain summit, an entrepreneur summit, an intertech, open finance and a startup summit. So please Join us as we build the digital Filipinas together that's tied to the rest of the world, beginning with ASEAN. Thanks so much. And Erica, any last words? 
I think uh, Amor has said all of it. Uh, but yes, we look forward to see you guys this coming week at BFF. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Because I think the future is open, right? It's for everyone. Shout out for Erica. She's one of the pioneering women leaders in the space. So she's keynoting one of the keynote for the 18th, right? I just want to make sure that the dates are right. Please be there. What she's doing as a pioneering woman leader in the innovation, finance, and technology space. It's just incredible. And she's going to be one of our advisors for Relift. We need to have Vanessa there as well. So super shout out to Women Empowerment. Erica's at front and center of it for us. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Erica. Thanks again for the invite, Philippine FinTech Festival. Again, let's post it over time. If you want to drop by, if you want more information, please visit digitalfilipinas.ph. If you want to go there physically, it will be in the Green Sun Hotel uh, over there in Makati. Just check that out online. Again, this is RJ Ledesma. I will see you guys at the Philippine FinTech Festival again. Of course. Join us for the next RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks, guys. Mabuhay, mabuhay. Maraming salamat po sa inyong lahat. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.